0: Yenkin and Henrietta have built lives for themselves in Liverpool, while at the same time continuing to have a strong commitment to Sierra Leone. But what about the involvement of the diaspora beyond local and family level? The African Foundation for Development, or Ford, is a non-profit organisation based in London. Its mission is to expand and enhance the contribution that Africans in the diaspora make to Africa's development. We're mainly concerned that Africans were essentially
1: marginalised from the development process. So what you tend to see on the television or in terms of experts is Western agencies giving their own thoughts and views on Africa. So it, it appears as if there are no Africans involved or interested or skilled or able to make any contributions, and this, of course, is far from the case. Chukwu
0: Emeka Chiketsia, director of Afford.
1: Afford engages in a range of activities... One area of our activities are to support UK-based African organisations. So we give advice, we network, we engage in research, we help them to be more effective in the work that they seek to do. And because the African organisations are so fragmented and isolated, one of the important things that we do is actually to introduce each organisation to others that may have similar interests and be facing similar sorts of problems. Another broad area of our work is to build linkages between Africans in the UK and Africans on the continent in Africa itself. So, for example, we have a project called Hello Africa, which is aimed to facilitate linkages between Ghanaians, Sierra Leoneans and Nigerians in this country and counterparts in those three countries. Because we have a lot of organisations that people may have left for some time They may not necessarily have the direct links now to know where to start in terms of making contribution, so this is where we come in as an infrastructure organisation to support that. A third area of our work is to try to build linkages between so-called mainstream of development, which is the the likes of the Oxfams, the Department for International Development. So what we've been looking at is building bridges between these two groups and looking at where the um, sources of misunderstanding exist and where we can, as I say, build those sorts of bridges. So we engage generally in a lot of action research because we feel that uh, the area of the diaspora and development is generally underdeveloped. There are very few academics looking at the issue. So we've had to ask the questions and develop our own understanding. So we contribute to debates around policy, We work with a range of different agencies from the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa to the smallest community-based organisations, all in the interests of making sure
0: that the African in the diaspora can more effectively contribute to Africa's development. Some diasporas, like the Chinese, are extremely well organised and highly developed. Why then is the African diaspora not as developed as others in the UK?
1: perhaps the conditions in Africa are not quite right at the moment. There isn't enough information about investment opportunities. There isn't enough trust among the different players, the potential investors that would need to work together, the regulatory authorities in whatever form that would make people feel confident that whatever investment activity they did engage in, that they would see a return on that investment, that there wouldn't be interference and so on, these sorts of things. There probably isn't the level of education, particularly for certain types of investment and certain types of business activity in many
0: parts of Africa. Fundamental issues need to be addressed to create the right conditions for greater development with the African diaspora. How does the African community currently organise development for the diaspora in the UK? The nature
1: of Africans organising for development in the diaspora, in the UK specifically, varies by a number of factors partly the identity, the traditions, and the culture of the people. Take, for example, Nigerians, particularly from the east. There's a very strong tradition of hometown associations and of people supporting their hometown. Take, for example, the Ogidi Women's Association from one particular part of Nigeria. Now, they're a UK-based organisation with links with this home region. And Ogidi is an area where the hospital is very deprived. In fact, they have one generator, which they have to alternate between actually doing theatre operations and cooling the drugs. So when they're doing operations, the drugs are not being cooled. So they have raised money to actually get a generator to the region, and they've also embarked on some building projects and so on. So they raise money through fundraising activities and through contributions. And they put a lot of their own time into this sort of work. So actually, when you see the money that they've raised, that is not the full story because you've actually got five or six very committed people who may in fact have flown two or three times to Nigeria to oversee this project and that sort of thing. And other people might say, well, what we need in our local region is a library or a water well. So they're very often small-scale community-based initiatives. And in the ideal Setting, these projects are evolved through negotiation and communication between perhaps the elders in the particular region and those who would articulate a particular need, and they would be in touch with the community here in, in London. But that also might involve people in Canada, in the United States, in some sort of global project. You also have alumni associations, because what we notice among Africans in particular is, is the strong sense and bonds of identity. So people who went to a particular school often find that as the useful basis of organising. And they will raise money uh, through a range of activities to support the rebuilding of a school. I can think of a school in Sierra Leone where there are major rebuilding works, a school that's well over 100 years old um, in quite a severe state of dilapidation. And they're pretty much dependent on... People in this country raising money, people in the United States, old students raising money for this sort of school, perhaps sending books, sending materials for the students, offering scholarships. So that's another tier of activity that you've got. You also have professional associations, people who perhaps are engineers or architects or doctors or lawyers who organise on that basis and they find some means of engaging with a particular country or a particular region. And that's one of the most exciting areas because as we move into the so-called information age and globalisation, it's important that we don't just raise money or send money, but look at issues of skills and knowledge and how we can tap into the knowledge of diasporas outside of Africa and what they know and what they understand about the global context and how that can help policymakers, researchers, all sorts of people back in Africa. So it's a much less tangible form of organising or at least of transfer, but it's a very, very important one, an increasingly important
0: one. This all sounds well-intentioned, with lots of ideas about how the African diaspora can organise itself and network globally. But have there been any really successful development initiatives through diasporic networks?
1: Let's look at the development of the University of Haigisa in Somaliland. I think that brings together a number of the factors that perhaps make for an ideal sort of project. There we had uh, Somalis in the United Kingdom who effectively initiated this project in conjunction with counterparts in Somaliland itself, but you also had people in Kuwait, in Sweden, in the United States, all working together jointly on this project, which was actually to establish a university The rationale for the university partly was that a lot of the students in Somaliland were having to leave the country to go to the Middle East or elsewhere, or or actually go without a further education. Even though the country is just coming out of conflict and is trying to develop, there was a clear need for higher education. And what we saw with the University of Hargeisa was that there was coordination on a global scale, between the UK with these different places. So you saw the chairs, for example, for the university coming from Kuwait. You saw the books coming from Sweden. Significantly, you also saw a transfer of skills. So you had people in the UK who had a lot of project management and voluntary sector experience bringing that knowledge to the table. And they were able to bring, for example, other people involved in the UK university sector to be on the steering committee to advise on this project. Local businesses in Somaliland donated their money and, and workers to clean the, the premises that the government had donated. So it was a really quite a coordinated activity between the diaspora, variously displaced or co-located around the world, and counterparts back home. What was significant was their use of the internet. So they had these forums on the internet where they discussed issues, they debated issues, and came to collective decisions and moved forwards.
0: From the Open University.